0: This is episode 68 with me and with Nick Mott, the producer of REI's other new podcast, Take It From Me. Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living, an adventure podcast presented by REI Co-op, the brand who helps get you outside through gear, classes, and adventures. We talk to experts who have taken a wild idea and made it a reality so you can too. From people who have climbed the tallest peaks, started thriving businesses, and even broken records, some of the wildest ideas can lead to the most rewarding adventures. I'm your host, Shelby Stanger, and I hope you enjoy the show. Today I'm interviewing Nick Mott, the producer of REI's new show, Take It From Me. We wanted to share with the world that REI stepped in the world of podcasting with our two shows. Nick's a fellow journalist, writer, photographer, rock climber. He's originally from Kansas, and now he lives in Boulder, Colorado. So we talk about this new show with REI, talk about the really interesting format, give you a sneak peek into it with a short clip, and then he turns the microphone back on me, and we get a little more behind the scenes of this show. I try not to get too awkward or make too many inappropriate jokes. I hope you enjoy this show. Today we have on Nick Mott of Take It From Me, REI's other podcast. Nick, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much, Shelby. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, so let's give everybody just, if you can, a little background into this show, what it is and how it works and why it's called Take It From Me.
1: It's an REI show. It's eight episodes. And in the first episode, I go on a trail run with Brendan Leonard, who's an ultra runner, And in the next episode, he talks with Phil Taylor, a farmer. Then Phil goes and talks with Sarah Gule, who's an illustrator. And so each episode, the interviewee from the last one becomes the interviewer in the next episode. So each time, somebody's learning something totally new.
0: So you're the first host, and Brendan's been on our show, so that's great. So you interview Brendan, and then Brendan passes the microphone to the next guest?
1: That's exactly right. So Brendan passes the mic on to Phil, who's a farmer. Phil goes up in the mountains with Sarah, who's an artist. Sarah goes up in the mountains with Giselle, who's a mountaineer. And it just keeps going on that way for eight episodes. You know, and by the end, we've talked with all kinds of fascinating and different people, all totally different, but united by a passion for the outdoors.
0: I love that. So any takeaways from, from this eight-episode series? And I love that you're releasing them all at once so people can binge listen or, you know, listen to them at their leisure.
1: So the grand experiment for all this was kind of that none of these people are professional journalists or interviewers. All of them are totally different. They don't know each other ahead of time. And like I consciously didn't give them much information about each other. Like nobody knew each other before all this. And the big takeaway for me was that everybody was able to find this really fascinating common ground. Like every interview went totally different than I would have expected. Like I I was there to record, which you won't hear. But I took a step back and just let people talk and be humans. And it was really incredible to hear just the things that united these people from totally different walks of life throughout these eight episodes.
0: And so the other thing I thought was really interesting is you record in the field. So no studio time.
1: That's exactly right. So that's even what I'm doing right now. You know, I have a little recorder and a shotgun microphone. And that uh, that can go great, like that can mean that thing. It's you can go to your guest rather than have your guest come to you. But it can also mean there's like crazy things that go wrong. And you know, I almost fell off a a big like cliff once. <laughs> um, a puppy kept trying to eat my microphone in another episode. Wind can be really bad, and other people can be around. So it's not the studio. You know, for the most part, we're getting out, we're getting outside to do all these interviews. Which for a podcast about the outdoors, I really love to do because we can take the listener right there.
0: Oh, I love that. I always dreamed about doing all my podcasts in the water while surfing. I can't figure that out. I know the WSL World Surf League kind of hasn't figured out how to do water interviews, but I haven't figured out sound quality. So if you're listening and you know how to make it happen, let me know. Otherwise, ideally we go surfing. And then we come back, have chips, guacamole, and a beer, which hopefully you're drinking now, and then we record. So I love this. So maybe the best way to give our audience an intro to this podcast, can you give us a little two-minute preview?
1: Yeah, let me set the scene a little bit. So this preview is from our episode where Alan Lim, who's the founder of Scratch Labs, he's a former cycling coach and he's a nutrition expert, he interviews Mo Beck, who's an adaptive climber. So she was born without her left hand, but she climbs almost absurdly hard for having only one hand. Like I'm a climber and I have two hands and she is like way better at it than I am. And the two of them met with her puppy, whose name is Biscuit, and it's, it's missing the same limb that she is. So the two have a really special bond. And in this little bit of the, of the episode, Alan's talking with Mo about what it's like to raise a puppy that has only three legs. So let me, let me play it for you. <laughs> this is super interesting. You've got Biscuit here, and she, she, yeah, yeah. Biscuit has a stump. You have a stump. You're raising Biscuit. <laughs> is that giving you some perspective on on how your parents, you so know, raised you, and how really now you're dealing yeah, with yeah. Biscuit?
2: There's this online forum of it's kind of a support group for parents that find out through their ultrasound that their baby's going to have one hand, uh, among many other things. So that's the thread that comes up a lot. And having been a baby with one hand, my instinct is always to be like, "They'll be fine." When they're calling you a bitch at 16 and stealing the car, you're not going to care they have one hand. Trust me. Like, so my thing has always been like, "They'll be fine. Get over it." I bring this puppy home, and I'm instantly going to the three like a dog forums, just like, "What should I be watching out for? Like, does she need any supplements for her bones? Like, yeah." So now I'm just like, "Oh, I, I." It's a dog. I get that. But also <laughs> now I kind of get it. I think it's because you, you care a lot. And the funny thing is, I realize now that my parents probably had those same fears and apprehensions, but they never showed it to me. They never were worried. About, they were worried about me. But they, to me, they had that same attitude of, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll learn how to tie your shoes. You'll learn how to do this. Like, don't worry about it. But probably they went to bed at night going, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And she wants to learn how to drive. But she only has one hand. How's it going to work?
0: That sounds awesome. So you have an adaptive climber, a bug farmer, a nutrition expert, Brendan Leonard, a writer and ultramarathoner. Who else is coming on this show?
1: So we've also got a bike shop owner in Denver who's a former architect. He got laid off his architecture job to start a bike shop in a historically black and Latino neighborhood of Denver We've got a professional photographer, especially he's just he takes these amazing outdoor images for absolutely every incredible pub- publication in the world. His name's Keith Ludzinski. We've got Giselle Seesine, who's a mountaineer. She had a terrible accident on Aconcagua a couple of years ago, where most of her body was burnt. You know, you don't go up high in the mountains expecting to like Ooh. get in a fire. Um, and her story is a really fascinating one about the dangers of being too reliant on social media. So we have people involved in all kinds of different outdoor activities from farming to art to mountaineering, all finding this common ground.
0: I love it. And so how did you get involved?
1: I was working on some different podcasts. I'm assistant producer on a show called Threshold. It's a radio show and podcast. And each season on Threshold, we take a deep dive into an environmental story and we tell human stories of the natural world. Our upcoming season's all about the Arctic. So I've actually been up recently reporting in the fields in the far northeastern Canada in like negative 40 degrees. So it turns out audio gear does work in that, but barely. Also, I've done some climbing audio stuff. So for Alpinist Podcasts, I recently had a long narrative episode come out about issues between indigenous people and climbers at Bear Lodge or Devil's Tower. And I was also doing some writing for REI, And ended up in conversation with them about podcasting because of this other work I was doing. And it really fell into place. And we together, we came up with this idea for Take It From Me that wound up something like a relay or a handoff. And it was a grand experiment, but it really it was amazing to see how it evolved and to be there the whole time and to see it take the shape that it's taken.
0: Well, I'm excited to finally hear about it because I've been hearing about it for a really, really long time. I'm sure you're excited for it to get into the public as well. So take it from me. You can tune in on iTunes. Where in REI can we find it?
1: You can find it at REI.com slash blog. And you'll also find it just wherever you get your podcasts. like at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, just all the places you go to get your podcasts. But online, go to REI.com slash blog. It's called the REI Co-op Journal to take a look at some extra features, you know, some photos from the field and some extra stories of what's going on behind the scenes.
0: Awesome, and you're gonna be able to find Wild Ideas We're Living right there as well on REI.com slash blog, so start looking for it there as well. We're gonna take a quick break to hear about our sponsor, and when we come back, Nick turns the microphone back on me. This episode was brought to you by REI Co-op, a brand that's big on protecting where we play outside. As stewards of the outdoors, REI gives away 70% of all profits back to the outdoors. Since 1976, REI has invested more than $77 million through partner nonprofits to create, improve, and sustain access for all to inspiring outdoor places. They're also incredibly eco-friendly. REI uses 100% renewable energy to operate and they built the first largest and most sustainable net zero energy and LED platinum distribution center in the country. On top of that, REI has partnered with over 66 brands in the outdoor industry to enhance the sustainability of their products. Their motto, a life outdoors is a life well lived is something I definitely stand by. You can learn more, take classes, go on experiences, find a store near you, and get the gear you want to get outside at REI.com.
1: Shelby, I really want to hear more about Wild Ideas Worth Living. So now that your podcast is a year and a half old, how's it changed?
0: I love how you're turning the mic back on me. I don't usually like being in this seat, but okay, so it's a year and a half old well, it's not a little baby anymore. I think one thing I've done is I've changed my interview style a little bit. I think I used to go off of a certain set list of questions. And now I just try to let the conversation flow a little bit, but keep my guess on track. I think my guests have changed. You know, I had a really deep Rolodex when I started this podcast. I was really lucky. I've been working in action and outdoor sports forever. But a lot of the guests I kind of already knew, or they were in my wheelhouse, or they were in San Diego. And this year I've really broadened the show. Like, I also have a farmer coming on. I just interviewed her, and she was awesome. And, you know, I've always dreamed of being a farmer. That's like the ultimate adventure living off your land and feeding others. There's just tons of people that I had never heard of before. And REI's introduced me to some new people as well. So that's been pretty exciting. And yeah, the show's also just grown a ton. I'm getting a lot more feedback, a lot more people writing in. I've also been listening to the listeners. You know, I think some of the some of the listeners wrote me and said, hey, listen, your show is awesome, but I can't totally relate to the most wild of the wild ideas. So I think I'm really trying to do my best to show people who ski the most number of days or most vertical feet in a year and you know, people who've swam with 25-foot sharks to people who'll never swim with 25-foot sharks and you know have wild ideas that are just different like they started a podcast or they started an organic farm. So I'm trying to balance out the wild ideas a little bit more.
1: So with all these guests that you've had, is there any advice that anybody's given that you've taken to heart and applied to your own life?
0: Oh my gosh, every every time I interview a guest, it's like the latest thing and Johnny kind of laughs. He's like, "Okay, what are we going to do now? Are we moving to a farm tomorrow?" because I just listened to a girl talk about living on a farm and now I want to buy a farm. So I'm easily influenced by people. And yeah, I did, I did a recap episode at the end of last year, the 2017 recap of all the lessons that really stuck out for me. And you know, I I still take the biggest lesson from episode one, which is Steph Jagger, who happens to be a woman who quit her job to ski the most vertical feet skied in a year. And she says, starting lines are often more important than finish lines. And for me, Whenever I embark on a project, starting is, is really hard. And so I've just had to remember that. The other one that just continues to stick out is a lesson from Kimmy Warner, the girl who does swim with giant great white sharks. There's a picture of a young woman free diving and holding on to the dorsal fin of a shark. And she looks incredibly graceful. And the shark is giant. I forget if it's 14 feet or 25 feet, but it's huge and nowhere would I ever want to be close to that shark. But she says, you have to slow down to speed up. And she was talking about the shark. You know, if she had swam rapidly towards it, it might have, you know, also seen her as prey. But I took that to a different part of my life. You know, I think with the podcast, I'd been going, I have a tendency to run in everything I do, 100 miles an hour. And so this year, I've really slowed down. To just focus on what matters most, to produce great content for listeners, to really spend time with my close family, close friends, and doing the things that I really love. And for me, it's getting outside, doing more yoga, more surfing, and more trail running, and spending more time you know, with my partner, Johnny. So that's been, that's been really big for me, just slowing down. The other thing is I just released an episode with Florence Williams, the author of The Nature Fix. And she proves with science that, you know, spending more time in nature outside makes us happier, healthier, and more creative. And I have a tendency to be a bit of a perfectionist about my work, and I'll spend a long time on an episode. And I've just realized it is so important for me to get outside every day if I can to put my feet, bare feet in the sand or in the water. And that's just become a priority. So yeah, I I take everything my guests say to heart and it's been really cool I've also been able to meet up with some of them I just met up with Karen Rinaldi surfing in Costa Rica um, Amy Vitali, the National Geographic photographer she also came out to Costa Rica to go surfing and I'm going to meet a few other guests this year so it's been really exciting to meet some of the guests I hadn't been able to meet in person in person and give them a hug
1: so it sounds like you've had some amazing interactions with guests but have you had any feedback from listeners that's really impacted you
0: it's been overwhelming to be honest. And if you're a listener that's written to me and I haven't responded, I'm so sorry. I do my best to respond to everybody. But one girl said, Your show helped me decide to quit my job and move to Alaska. And that was pretty powerful. Another person emailed that in their 50s, they just went back and became a beach lifeguard. I have another friend who said, You know, hey, because of you, I'm running for political office locally, and locally meaning California, which is a pretty big deal. So, I've gotten really great feedback. You know, ultimately, people have been doing these decisions on their own. It's not my show, but I'm glad that, you know, they're finding inspiration. And, you know, I think the most part is a lot of people have been turned on to books, new ways of thinking. And that's been really cool.
1: That's so interesting to hear. Like, I'm really curious to see if I get any feedback from from take it from me. I think you will. (laughs) Yeah, I, I I sure hope so. And before I do recording like I often get super nervous. As you've done this, do you, do you still get nervous before shows?
0: I get so nervous. I just chug tequila. No, I'm kidding. Um I'm kind of a one one wine wonder. I once tried having a beer before a podcast and it really didn't work out so well. I have kombucha sometimes. But yeah, I think, you know, sometimes I get really nervous. It just depends on who the guest is. If they're my friend, sometimes not. If it's someone I'm, I'm like kind of a fan of, a huge fan of, then I do get more nervous. And I find that watching reruns of Saturday Night Live, especially episodes with Bill Hader, who plays Devin, my favorite character, just really helps me. So yeah, I'll, I'll watch a quick like clip of SNL and just get in the mind frame of, of lightheartedness. And also, you know, I like to imagine my guest right there as well as listeners listening in the room because I think with podcasts, we have a tendency to forget sometimes that there's not just one person listening and I'm not just having a conversation with one person, but there's like thousands of people listening to our conversations. So I try to get a good picture of not only my guest who I'm talking to, but also the listeners who might be listening in the room.
1: I like those ideas, like watching Saturday Night Live to to loosen up. I dig it. I dig it. I've never tried something like that. I just might try it before my next interview. But you mentioned that some of your guests are friends. You know, How do you find people to be on your show? It's all over the place,
0: really. I look for people who are great storytellers. And lately, I've been looking for people who have good advice that listeners can take and use in their life. So I'm really interested in learning. And I think my guests are interested in learning, too. So the last guest I just interviewed was Liz Frugalwoods, who I found listening to on NPR. Actually, Johnny, my partner, listened to her on NPR and immediately sent me the clip and was like, you got to have her on your show. And she offers really sound advice about being able to quit your job and retire at an earlier age instead of working harder by working smarter and saving harder. And I thought that was just an interesting approach. So really, you know, a lot of people pitch me REI has given me some great contacts. A lot of it's from my Rolodex, and then friends of friend, other guests have recommended other people I should interview. So it's a little all over the place. But the biggest is, do you have advice to share? This isn't a show about promoting your latest book or, you know, your coaching services. I want, I want listeners to be able to to be able to take something from it and apply it to their life.
1: With all these fascinating guests, how do you find your partnerships? I know you're partnered with REI. You know Why them?
0: Yeah, so I, I pitched like a mofo. No, um, really, like I, I was a freelance journalist for years. And if you don't pitch and sell, you starve. So I also wrote about the business of the outdoor and action sports industry for years. So I was really lucky that I knew a lot of CEOs and executives at a lot of companies. I only want to partner with brands that I like and that fit my mission of living wildly. So you'll notice there's no cigarette company sponsoring the show. And this year, it's just REI. REI was at the top of my list for partners last year. So I reached out to them immediately last year. I was really influenced by their force of nature campaign. I loved it. I loved what they did with the campaign. And then they invited me to actually be a keynote speaker for the force of nature kickoff party in San Diego and it was just a really rewarding event to be a part of. So, you know, my my goal in life, I wrote it on a piece of paper when I was 15, was to get others to go outside and go for it. I can't think of a better partner that helps me do that than REI. And you know, to be honest, I've been using their products since I was 16. So, I remember at 16 I had to go to Costa Rica and I had to. I was really lucky. I got to do a volunteer project Working in this tiny third world village at the time, Costa Rica was pretty rustic in this village, building a fence for a kindergarten. And we used, you know, machetes to clear the grass, shovels. I organized a soccer tournament every domingo, every Sunday, taught English to local kids. And it was so rewarding. And some of my most rewarding trips... I've done, I've gone to REI before to get the gear I needed. So I also used them. I got assigned a story where I had to paddle down a portion of the Amazon River. I was terrified because we didn't really know what was going to be in the Amazon River. The paddle was easy. I think anybody could have done the paddle. But just having gear makes you feel more comfortable about the unknown. At least it does for me. So that was really helpful. But yeah, it's really just I partner with people and products that I believe in.
1: You mentioned getting outside, you mentioned living wildly, you mentioned like paddling down the Amazon and going to Costa Rica. What's your idea of living wildly and of adventure?
0: I think it's changed over the years. I think I'm not as wild as I come off at all. Like Johnny makes fun of me and says I'm a Gucci adventurer because sometimes I like staying in a cabin over a tent. But the truth is adventure can be anything you want it to be. It can be a two-mile run outside. It can be climbing Mount Whitney. It doesn't have to be climbing Mount Everest. And I think the point of adventure is, you know, for me, it's always a little uncomfortable, outside, beautiful. There's an element of the unknown. And I always say that, you know, the best adventures often happen when you follow your wildest ideas, because there's just this element that you can't control. But I think the key is the best adventures aren't always easy. And so, you have to just have this mindset that, you know, we can't control what happens to us. And some of the best adventures happen, you know, when, when things go wrong or things go really right. Usually for me, adventures are with friends, but I also love adventuring solo. And my idea of adventure just keeps expanding.
1: That's beautiful to hear. My best adventures are when things go wrong. Like just a couple months ago when I was up in northeastern Canada... I was hanging out in negative thirty degree weather with a dog team and recording audio and like I set my audio gear down for just a second to take a photo and while I did that this dog ran up behind me and grabbed my mic because it looks like a fuzzy dog toy or something and just ran off dragging it through the snow. And I never thought I'd find myself in the Canadian Arctic, like chasing a dog in minus thirty weather and hoping to God that like my my equipment would all be okay. And it was, it just smells kind of like seal now. Like I can smell it, it's pressed up against my face and I can still smell that seal smell just a little bit. So I totally relate to that idea of things going wrong.
0: Nick, I think you're probably a much gnarlier adventurer than I am. Nick, thank you so much, it's been such a pleasure. So everyone can take a listen to Take It From Me, go to iTunes, Stitcher, wherever else you stream podcasts, or check it out on REI.com. Nick, thanks so much for coming on and sharing with us a little bit about this podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Shelby, and thanks for letting me turn the mic around on you.
0: Nick, thank you for sharing your ideas and for not making me feel super awkward on this show when you turn the microphone back on me. Listen to take it from me. We'll have links in the show notes. REI, thank you for supporting podcasts. Thank you for sharing these with your awesome co-op. If you want, go to REI, get gear, take classes. I'm actually taking a woman's introduction to rock climbing class this weekend, and then I'm taking a backcountry cooking class. I really like to eat, so it's really perfect. To you listening, thank you. I really love what I do. I work pretty hard. I work really hard, actually. We had to redo this episode a couple of times because of some technical issues. So thank you for your support. It's a labor of love. You can show the love back by writing a review on iTunes, telling friends, just being nice to your neighbor, or go outside. Best of all, yes, go outside, go on an adventure. And don't forget, some of the best adventures often happen when you follow your wildest ideas. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. We've got a firefighter, a best selling author, a farmer. A really famous podcaster, a musician, and so many more great shows coming up. We'll see you next week.